all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To your previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and this is Relatively Speaking. And today we're talking about foster care. Those words all too often conjure negative images for children. But sometimes foster care placement can save a child and turn a family around. Since this month is Foster Care Month, uh, we'll be highlighting new information and programs for children and their families in our state who may need help. So I'd really love to hear from any of you who have had experiences with a foster care system um, as we go through this show. Perhaps you were in foster care placement as a child, or perhaps you had a child who was um, placed in foster care due to some difficulties you were having. Maybe you have some questions about whether or not you'd like to be a foster care parent. Um, really want to talk to you. We have an expert coming in with us uh, today, which we'll get to in just a few minutes. But first, I want to make sure that everybody understands what we talk about when we say foster care. So what foster care is, is it's a temporary living situation for children whose parents are either unable, unwilling, un- or unfit to care for them. And, and the need for care has come to the attention of the child, fair, the, the child welfare agency. Um, so there's some children out there who still need help, who the attention has not come to the welfare agency yet. But foster care placement happens when the determination is, is, is found that these children need, need some help in the families. So it's meant to be a temporary out-of-home care. And I want to talk about that as we move along, because I think so many times the assumption is that a child who is in foster care is just waiting for adoption, and that is truly not the case. Many children in foster care um, spend some time there and then end up back in their family. That's, That's called reunification. And we'll talk more about that also in in a few minutes. Um, some children who live in, who are placed in foster care live with families. Um, that's certainly the preference. It might be a relative. It might be foster parents who are trained, or it might be pre-adoptive parents. But that is typically not, not the, the common case from what I understand. Adoption is not the plan for every child. 
Over 500,000 children in the U.S. currently reside in some form of foster care. Um, and it can, you know, like I said, it can occur for a variety of reasons. And as I think we've all heard over the last few years, the opioid addiction um, problems that have been so rampant in our state and our surrounding states also have, have probably caused some um, increases in that area there. But this might be a good time. For us to bring on our guest because I think she has some good news for us in some ways. I'm delighted today to have Leanne Brandon, who is the Director of Communications at the Mississippi Department of Child Protective Services. She's got a wealth of knowledge and I just have so enjoyed speaking with her before the show. I think she's going to help us better understand the changes that have occurred and the way foster care is approached. And to me, the changes are really profound and make so much sense as to um, what needed to happen. So very happy to have you with us, Leanne. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's my privilege. Anytime we can help share the word about foster care and how our communities can band together to support children and families in Mississippi is a great day for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listeners, please call in. Leanne um, is a wealth of information, as I already noted. Uh, Give us a call if you have any questions about the system or comments at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Um, Leanne, you mentioned that that our numbers in of uh, children in foster care have gone down a bit. Talk to us about how many children in Mississippi are in foster care and and also why why the numbers have gone down a bit yes we are seeing um, a different trend in mississippi than what you see across the nation and it's been very intentional on our part when child protection mississippi department of child protection services was um, created by the 2016 mississippi legislature we began july 1 of that year creating a new agency. We had previously been a part of the Mississippi Department of Human Services, but the court and the legislature and the governor all agreed that it would be best for the state of Mississippi if we could shine a very focused light and a concerted effort by creating a new department to deal with the child welfare needs in our state. That being said, what we did was take a very hard, and we're continuing to, very hard, very strategic look at what we were doing, why we were doing, and the effectiveness of it. What we saw was that we had huge numbers of children who were lingering for long periods of time in foster care in Mississippi. If you go back to um, July 1 of 17, for example, that was kind of our high point. We had well over mm-hmm. 6,000 children in foster care. That means that six over 6,000 children had been removed from the home where they were born, where they had grown up, everything they knew, and placed in a foreign situation, basically, with people they did not know, loving, caring people, but in a foster care situation. 
our practice today and moving forward is trauma-informed. And that's a great buzzword, but what it means is that we are acknowledging the long-lasting trauma that removal from a home can impart on a child and the family and the extended family. And we want to avoid inflicting that damage to a child whenever possible. So NDCPS. So Leanne, yeah, yeah. that's that's wonderful. And and as I've spoken to adults who are in foster care um, as, as children, the information almost uniformly is that it was very traumatic. And even though they were removed from perhaps a dangerous situation at the time, um, where they weren't being cared for as they should have, they still miss their family. Is that the case that you typically hear about? Yeah, brain science shows us. I mean, they've proven it now. It's not just theory that actually the trauma of removal from a home is more da- can be more damaging to a child than what the situation the difficult situations they were living in in a home where they were not being cared for properly so we are in in the name of doing good have caused harm so there are let, let me get it very clear though there are instances where foster care is an ideal situation for a child because they are not safe at home or they were being neglected or abused so that is a wonderful safe haven but it does not mean that every family that is having difficulties that child needs to be removed um so that was a question um leanne that I, i i wanted to bring out and i know our listeners are thinking about this also so how it's it is very important that we we keep children safe, and if they're in an abusive or unsafe or neglected situation, um, how how do you draw the line? Who makes the determination that a child truly needs to be referred re- removed from the home versus a child who perhaps needs some um, services from from your department that will help them stay in the home or allow them to be put back into the home. I guess as a pediatrician, of course, I've always worried about the safety of children. I want them mm-hmm. to be safe. But I do know that early early brain science tells us that the trauma of home removal um, is is a terrible thing too. So how do you draw the line? How do you figure out? Um, and who makes that determination? I know it's not the pediatrician. Um, there are other individuals, other professionals who go into that. The pediatrician may have an opinion or the family physician. But can you step us through that and yeah. and and how the determination is made? Well, thankfully, it's a collaborative decision. Um, the process is the majority, overwhelming majority of times, um, a mandated reporter, as you said, such as a pediatrician or a school teacher or law enforcement, but all of us in, who are 18 and above in Mississippi are mandated reporters. People who see something that concerns them, they see uh, evidence of abuse or neglect, they can contact child, they are 
obligated to contact Child Protection Services through our hotline or through our website or through our um, mobile reporting app and just letting us know what their concerns are, giving us as much information as they can, um, where the child is located, what the conditions are, and what their concerns are. We have a 24-hour, seven days a week, every day of the year hotline, and it's, our website's monitored. So as soon as the report comes in, um, our centralized intake will then screen those, get the information, and contact the county where that's where the report has been reported from or it's involved. We have trained staff who will then immediately in, instigate an investigation. And what that means is that we will go out to that home. Uh, a worker will go contact the adult, make, put eyes on that child to assess the immediate safety needs and concerns collect as much information, talk with the parents, what's going on, this is what we've been told, what help do you need, what's happening, to make sure that the child is not in immediate danger um, and what needs to be done. Then we make a report to the county youth court and the judge, after conferring with our workers, our investigators, and talking with the principals involved, the court is the one that makes the decision on whether it's what what happens, whether a child is removed from the home and placed into foster care, or whether we need to open a case and provide services in the home to that family and to provide mm -hmm. um, eyes on the child, uh, helping hands to the parent services, or whether we need to just provide referrals to services that it doesn't rise to the level of abuse or neglect. So there's a whole range. It's not um, either or or black or white issue. It's not removal or non-removal. There are levels of care, levels of service that we can provide. You had mentioned earlier about the reputation of child protection services. If you meet anyone on the street and ask them what CPS does or what, who we are, oh, we're the people who take your kids away. Um, right. It's probably right. a well-deserved exactly. reputation, but we that, also... That has certainly been an issue that yes. has been I mean, a concern. And, and also, um, Leanne, when we get back, I'd like for us to talk. We're going to take our first break uh, now, but when we get back, I'd like for us to talk a little bit about, you said the reputation about CPS. Um, Mississippi, in general, has had a bad reputation for not taking good care of, of our right. our children who, who might be in danger. And I want us to talk a little bit about um, the changes that um, your department has made to change that and make things better. Would love so, to. Thank you. Um, yes. Um, we're talking with Leanne Brandon, who is uh, Director of Communications at Child Protection Services Department in Mississippi. Um, we're going to take a break now. I want to hear from you, listeners, if you have questions or concerns. Do you have a concern about a child maybe in your neighborhood? Or do you um, have previous experience with um, Child Protective Services or foster care? Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking, and we'll be right back.
Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I am here today with Leanne Brandon, who is the Director of Communications at the Mississippi Department of Child Protection Services. And we're talking about foster care placement. Um, when does it happen? How is it um, handled? Um, who decides? And, and also, we're talking about, too, the the state of foster care services in Mississippi for our children. So um, thanks for being with us, listeners. We want to hear from you. Give us a call. Join in. If you have any questions or comments about foster care, we'll talk about adoption, too and how you become a foster care parent, um, how you need to approach adoption. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Okay, so um, Leanne, would you please take us to that Maybe a little bit of controversial topic that I brought up uh, right before the break. Um, Certainly, I know there have been a lot of changes that have gone on in Child Protective Services over the last uh, couple of years. Will you talk to us about those? And and are our numbers better? Do you feel like from a federal standpoint that we – in Mississippi, our services have improved and are looking better? We are. Um, we have made dramatic improvements over the past two and a half, three years, as I said, since we've become a separate agency. But we still have miles to go. Um, we started at the top of the hour talking about we, when we were first formed, we had over 6,000 children in care. We have reduced the number of children in foster care by almost 2,000 children. Um, at the 1st of May, we had uh, a little over 4,100 children in care. So that has been a godsend to us to be able to return children to permanent situations, whether it's reunification with their birth families, with their families, with their mothers and their fathers, or whether it's placing them in permanent situation through adoption or durable legal custody. Um, The guiding thing that everyone refers to and everyone hears in the news, the bad news, is the federal lawsuit, the longstanding Olivia Y. class action lawsuit against the state of Mississippi because of failures in the state's foster care system. The consent agreement that the court uh, reached with the parties and with the state back in 16 guides our work to a great degree in that it provides measurement tools to see really how well we're doing to meet the requirements of that lawsuit. 
It um, measures over 300 um, tick marks on are we doing this, are we doing that, and to what percentage compliance are we. It is overwhelming when you start looking at that checklist um, and the reporting requirements that are in there. The state goes by that, and we take it very seriously, our obligations that were agreed to, but we also have set for ourselves an even higher benchmark that look at the main goals of keeping children safe. We look for safety and permanency. We make sure that families' needs are assessed. We make sure that children are not maltreated while they're in care. We make sure that children maintain connections with their families and with their siblings and with their with their community at large when they're in foster care. So there is so much that we are striving toward, but when as someone who has not had a history in child welfare, when I came into the system, um, to the agency in 16, and when I look at where we are today, we are light years ahead of the situation. Um, there's much to be done, but our children are being cared for and being protected. We have increased our staff. Um, we have trained our staff. Every person that comes to work as a field operation caseworker, supervisor, um, and, and person out in our county offices, before they ever begin work with clients, with families, with children, they receive 120 hours of hands-on classroom training on what we do, how we do it, what our policies practices and procedures are. And then they also receive on-the-job training before they're ever assigned a caseload, before they ever start working. So we do our best to give the skills and the training and the mentorship to our staff so that they are equipped to work with our families. Um, we equip, and this has served us very well during COVID, when, when we have our staff person, a caseworker, they're equipped with an iPhone, and with a laptop so that they are mobile, they can provide services and information while they're out in the field, that they're not tied to a desk. And this has been tremendously mm -hmm. important that we didn't have to stop and regroup when teleworking was kicked in, where quarantining came in. We were able to com continue to provide services without interruption to our families. I would say, looking at the system at large, that there is a much more focused effort on safety and prevention and trauma-informed care than there has ever been in the state of Mississippi. We are... That's great to have, um, Leanne. I, I, I know um, Michelle has a, a quick question, um, yeah. and, and I have several. I'm, I'm glad to hear about the trauma-informed care, and as we move forward, I want to talk about that a bit too. But Michelle, why don't you go ahead and throw your question out there? Good morning, Leanne. Good morning, Dr. Buttress. Um, you were talking about the protective measures um, your staff was taking during COVID-19, and we're still in the pandemic. It's not over yet. Right. Um, especially at the beginning of the uh, pandemic, if someone, if your office received a call, how was that handled during the heightened uh, state of coronavirus pandemic? Did they go into the house? And if they didn't, how would they uh, assess the situation effectively without going into the home? Right. I mean, I think that's a great question. And I'll just um, remind everyone, we are not out of it. 
And yeah. so it would, whatever happened initially, hopefully would still happen um, as far as safety measures. So great question, Michelle. Thanks for bringing that up. We have, we immediately went into over-communication mode with our staff uh, when we closed our county offices <laughs> and everyone to teleworking, but we didn't hit a, miss a beat with our investigations. Um, that continues on just like nurses and doctors continue their work. So when we got when we get reports, um, our investigators still do go out, and they are putting themselves in harm's way sometimes. But they are going into the homes to make children make sure that children are safe. Our investigations were not amended. They took personal, you know, protective equipment, um, wore the mask when possible, did not touch when when they didn't have to, and took every precaution necessary. But our overriding goal was to make sure that a child was not in a dangerous situation. So that did continue. Uh, we have amended some of our practices to, especially visitation, where you're moving a child from one home to another home and back and forth. When that's not possible because we do pre-screening, you know, is anyone in the in the family sick or has fever or been tested or been in contact. If it is dangerous for a child to be moved from one home to another for visitation, we do that virtually or we get creative. We may pull lawn chairs out in the front yard and keep everybody six feet apart whenever possible and do visitation outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we're continuing our processes as much as humanly possible without interruption. The courts right. have been extremely supportive in that, too. Leanne, um, one thing that the American Academy of Pediatrics has come out about over and over again is a concern that there has been a spike in domestic violence. We talked about that last week on the radio. And in child abuse, um, our maltreatment during COVID due to the um, massive stress that has been placed on, on families. Have, right. have you seen an increase in reporting? We have seen a decrease in reporting, and that is okay, the first mm -hmm. line. You would think that would be great news. Um, we do think there's an underlying concern there. We see an right. increase in reporting when schools are out of session normally for school holidays or vacations and during the summer months. So we are anticipating when this when this when this passes by, when the storm passes by and things open back up again and school teachers and coaches and you know group leaders or whatever see children, we may we're anticipating a, a spike in reports just because yeah. of nothing else neglect just because there are such financial restraints right now in families children may not be getting the health care or the food or whatever that they need and we're preparing for that uh, whether we need to bring on temporary staff to respond to those investigations mm -hmm. uh, but right now we so this might be um, I'm sorry to interrupt but I just wanted to bring something up that just occurred to me this might be a great time for a neighbor or someone who maybe has concerns that a family doesn't have the proper food or doesn't have the proper shelter or um, don't do not have uh, electricity or or water or whatever. Would it be appropriate for them to call um, Child Protective Services and say I'm concerned that these children and this family doesn't have everything they need? 
would it necessarily mean that that child will be taken away from them? I know that answer, but I want you to address that so listeners know that if you if you see a red flag and, and raise it, you're not necessarily um, taking that child out of the home when the family just is in need, correct? Absolutely. We have tried to... Um, notify the public through the media and through different small groups through churches that our hotline is also a helpline and especially in these days to please please call not only if you see something that's concerning in your neighborhood but if you're experiencing difficulties and need help to please call our 1-800-222-8000 hotline helpline or to go to our MDCPS website and put, uh, you can file an online report or request for assistance. And we can connect families to agencies and to groups that can help them. We can give them advice and guidance, and we can just put some ports into place for those families. No, it is not an automatically, we're going to come get your kids if you're having right. difficulty. Right. Absolutely right. not. Yeah, I, I think um, give that number out. We're going to go to our break, and we'll have that posted on our um, website, on our Facebook page, um, Leanne. But will you give that before we go to the next break, that number yes, one more time? 1-800-222-8000, or our website is mdcps.ms.gov. Great. All right, we're talking about foster care, adoption. Um, how do you become a foster parent? When we, when we get back, we'll talk about that. I'd love to hear from a person out in our listening audience who's been a foster care, care patient or has had any kind of participation in the system. Please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 746 7464. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress with a Mindful Minute. Children grow up so fast, before you know it, they'll be starting kindergarten. A good way to watch for school readiness is to mark developmental milestones like talking in sentences, counting, writing, and playing well with others. Positive adult-child relationships are key to helping children meet these milestones. You already have the tools you need. Talking, singing, and reading are fun ways to help children learn and thrive. One way to celebrate these special moments is to use a milestone checklist. Healthcare providers are also a great resource to help make sure your child's on the mark and ready for the next step. Examples of developmental milestones, fun family activities, and additional resources can be found at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about foster care placement. The Department of Child Protection Services 
in Mississippi and and how a child gets in, um, how they're taken care of, how we deal with families. And in a moment, we'll talk about how you get to be a foster parent. But let's go on to the phones. We have Glacinia on the road. Hi, Glacinia. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Um, did I say your name correctly? Yes, it did. Yes. Well, talk to I, us about um, your experience or maybe questions. Yes. I have not had good experience with um, the uh, system. But I'm open that, you know, the system could improve and start um, trusting people. Because, like I say, both me and my husband was was going to be a foster people. They wanted him, but they didn't want me because I have a disability and, you know, I speak Spanish. I was from Costa Rica, but I raised four girls up, okay? And now my, my husband passed away about six months ago. He was a Vietnam veteran from the Marines. So, you know, oh. I've got two I've got two homes that I'm trying to put together and everything. And I'm thinking about, you know, getting back into working because my whole purpose is to help young kids and their parents. Uh huh. So you are are you asking about possibly how you could get involved with um foster children? Is that your question? Yeah, I I I would like to get back involved into it. But you know, I have um, I got two homes in in the state of Arkansas that I'm working on, mm-hmm. you know, putting it together. So you know, I know that the foster care is they they need a lot of help because I know in the, um they got kids that stay at the office and stuff like that, and that to me is not healthy because uh, the experience mm-hmm. that I have had was you know was based on. My, my mom was, you know, wanted my daughter, and she called and said, trying to take my daughter. And where they oh, took I my see. daughter at, yeah. I went with my daughter, where they put my daughter at. And I saw stuff that I didn't, you know, I think it was inappropriate, inappropriate. And, you know, I saw abuse into the place where they put my kids at. So I, I spoke out and told the woman that that's not okay. That's not okay. The women were being abused. You live in Arkansas, and um, and of course, every state is different, but you're bringing up something that we know has happened, that children are placed in foster care, and they don't receive good treatment in foster care. And that is something that our state and many others have been really working to improve because obviously if you're pulling a child out it's called child protection services if you're pulling a child out of a home because you think the home may not be safe or able to take care of the child and you put them in a more dangerous situation that's terrible and um, you're doing more harm than good and I think that's something um, Leanne and and I want to address today is um is several things. How do you become a foster parent and how do you vet things to make sure that 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 foster home, when you pull a child out for protection, um, is going to be better than what they were in? So um, 
I'm going to throw out our number again. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you have a question like Bethania's or any any other thoughts or experiences, please give us a call. But Leanne, would you address um, what 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 do we do in Mississippi to make sure that that foster care placement is a good one? How do you become a foster parent, and what are the qualifications? Okay, when to be just the basic eligibility requirements to become a foster parent, you have to be a legal resident of Mississippi. Uh, we do a back criminal background check to make sure that there is nothing that would uh, cause red alerts, you know, concerns that in your past that would put you in a, in a position of not being able to care for a child. You must be 21 years old and be either legally married or legally single. Um, and you cannot have more than four children already living in the home. We have a limit of, unless there's extenuating circumstances because of sibling groups, we don't have more than five children in any home. And then you have to be financially self-supporting. The uh, small stipend that we, the state pays uh, for foster payments every board payments every month or that needs to go to the child to care for the child. Well, so Leanne, you're cutting out just a little bit. Um, if you can maybe trying to call in. Um, I just I wanna go back because you cut out you have to be legally married or legally single. Is that what you legally said? Single. So you don't have um, to be married. You do not have to be married. We have set, we have lots of single foster parents, um, okay. but you you can't be cohabitating. You have to be either married or you have to be single. Oh, I, I hear. I, I understand um, now. Do you, and uh, and you don't you, have to be wealthy, right? But you just no, have you do to not be have able to be wealthy. To... You just don't need to be dependent on the income from a foster parent board payment to be able to make your daily living expenses. That is to cover for the child's needs. Um, we have an application that if someone is interested, we'll fill out. It gives us basic information and the email address so we can get in touch with you. Um, we do the screening. We have trainings for our foster parents. There are um, basic training classes that they can take online. We have some classes that need to come to in person, and we're looking at moving more online during the COVID um, situation and others. We will also come out and interview the parents, um, parent or parents, um, and any adult that's living in the household, adult children, they also have to have a background check. We look at the home uh, to make sure that it is safe and that there is appropriate space for the child. We have requirements that about bedrooms and a place where the child sleeps, safe sleeping arrangements, the bath, you know, access to bathrooms, make sure that uh, the home is safe and secure and protective. And once a person is licensed, uh, we continue to provide training to them. We have focus groups and support groups for foster parents. We try to provide, we're beginning to start a mentorship program where new foster parents can be paired with um, someone in their neighborhood who's been through it and can offer advice. But we also have a staff person assigned, a licensure specialist assigned to that family who will be in touch with the family, see how things are going, what they need, and also, we have specific requirements on visitation in the home 
to make sure to talk with the child separately. How is it going? Are you being protected? Is, is something bothering you? Are you afraid? Et cetera, et cetera. We have visitation with the foster parents. We have um, various checks and balances that we do throughout the year, throughout the months, uh, throughout the week to make sure that our children in foster care, who are our responsibility, their safety and their growth and their protection, um, that they are being cared for by our foster parents. At the same time, we want to make sure that we're providing services to our foster parents themselves um, and to the parents of the children in care. So this is all great. I guess I, um, I have one quick question, and then we're going to go to our final break. And that is, are there enough foster parents out there? If someone listening right now has been thinking about it, um, might it be good that they they give your group a call? And and where would that be? Yes, what we number are would that always, be? Yeah, again, it can be the hotline, or I'll give another number in a minute. The best thing is to go to our website. All the information is there, uh, including a link to the application, um, frequently asked questions about what type of children will I be caring for, that type of thing. Um, But yes, to answer your question, do we need more? We do. And Mississippi has high numbers of foster families, but unfortunately they're not geographically distributed well. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. critical because when we take a child into custody, when that child is in imminent danger for safety or because of neglect, we want to keep as many ties to their familiar life as possible. That means that we'd like to keep that child in that community so they can continue with their school, their friends, um, their sports teams, their church, as much as possible to keep connections for that child. So when we bring someone into custody, say in Marshall County, we need to have a selection of homes to choose from in Marshall County. We don't need to move the, right. that child, you know, three quarters of the way of the state and put them in Jones County because there's an available home there. So we are trying And each of our county offices goes out and looks at numbers and how many they need and try to recruit. We also have an effort called Rescue 100 where we recruit families through churches, through faith-based institutions, um, so that the churches can provide a community of support for that foster family. So it's it's a multi-pronged approach approach but if anyone is considering it and interested please reach out to us and let us give some specific information to you on what's expected and what you can expect right right when we get back we'll get you to give that number um we're going to take our final break we're talking about foster care we have time for callers to call in if you have a question or a thought Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We're talking about how to be a foster um, parent, perhaps. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. 
I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we are talking about foster care placement um, and um, and adoption. And um, I, we've, we've really not touched on adoption much because there's so much good new information um, about foster care. And I want to go back to the funds. We may need to do adoption as a, a separate uh, issue um, soon. So we have Lisa on the phone. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for calling in. Hello. Um, where are you? Are you willing to tell us where, where you're located in Mississippi? Uh, uh, not at this time, but I do have a question. Sure. Okay, my question is, I was a foster child. I was placed in foster care in the early 1960s. And right now I'm having a hard, I don't know who to contact regarding a birth certificate. I doesn't have one. Were you born, so you I know if you were born in Mississippi? Ma'am? Do you, were you born in Mississippi? No, uh, my foster parents told me I was born in uh, Louisiana. Okay, but you were in foster care in Mississippi. Yes, ma'am. Okay, if you can, um, you can email us at contact us at mdcps. Hello, let me or go to our or go to our website and. Contact and it's got a place you can email us, and we can get into. We will do our best to pull up your old records. Going back to the '60s may be difficult, but I think we can find out some information to be able to assist you. Okay, just go to your website and send. Yes, ma'am, and it has the contact. If you can call, or the contact information will be given there. Okay, what type of um, information would I need that will help you out? Your, your birth date and your parents' names and your full name. Okay, then. Yes. And that's one of the things. She said she was in care in the 60s. Now we have a follow-through program. We have a uh, youth transition support services team that as our older children who are continuing in foster care, um, we provide them with that type of information so that when they exit foster care, if it's not to reunification with parents, if they're going either into other living arrangements or through dual legal custody or whatever, just aging out of the system, we have support services in place where we provide things like their their basic papers and back health information. We assist them with housing and that type of thing. We're trying to break the cycle 
and give children as much as we elder youth uh, as much support services as we can to help them get an education, to get an employment, get stable housing, and that they have the things that we take for granted. They have birth certificates. They have their health records. They have their educational records. So uh, we're not throwing them to the wolves anymore. Yeah, and and that's one point I did want to bring up, uh, Leanne, is that I um, are are children still emancipated? Foster care children still emancipated at eighteen, and um, uh, that seems awfully young to say, it "Okay, does. go forth and take care of yourself." Is that and still thank- going on in Mississippi? If a child wants to be and the court deems it appropriate, they can age out, is the old phrase, of foster care at 18. But if they choose to stay in state custody, we can continue to provide services and housing and board payments and educational supports to them up through age 23. So we continue with them as if they would like to allow us to provide those supports. So we're not at that I mean. There are very few 18-year-olds who can hit the ground running. Um, so we we are thankfully allowed through state government and federal provisions to continue our care. Um, Leanne Brandon, you have been so very helpful, the Director of Communications at the Mississippi Department of Child Protective Services. Will you please um, give us that uh, website. I want to remind everybody, go um, listen to this podcast. If you have any questions or um, want to get the numbers or the website, you can, you can listen on mpbonline.org. Go to the um, podcast or download that podcast um, app that you like. But um, go back and listen. I think you've been so helpful giving information that that will help individuals who are interested or concerned or or want to be a foster parent. Um, will you give us the website and that hotline again, please? Yes. I've got two numbers for you. One, if you just want direct information about foster care, it's 1-800-821-9157. You can ask your questions about becoming foster parent and request an application form. And to call for help or to make a report about concerns is 1-800-222-8000. And all of this information, as well as a direct link to make a report or to request assistance, is on our website. And that's www.mdcps.ms.gov. Thank okay. you very Well, much. I want to thank everybody. Thank you to um, Leanne, um, you are so informative and helpful. I, I feel like I know much more than I ever have. Um, thanks for that. Thanks for our producer, uh, Michelle McAdoo, and I think she was our call screener, too. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.